welcome. Welcome, everyone. It's good to see everyone. It is great to be back here on a Sunday morning speaking. I have missed uh, this part of my life and role, and, and I've been sitting out there here and there uh, di- at different points in these past two months uh, when other guys have been speaking, and I'm like, man, I'd really like to, to join them up there for a moment, but... Uh, but it was actually really, really refreshing to not do that, and and re, it was time a time of reflection and recharge, and I am excited to be here and to be back with you. Next week, I'm going to be beginning a new series called Minor Prophets, Major Mission, and there's a there's a group of a section of books in the Bible called the Minor Prophets. These are the least popular books in the Bible. Uh, it may be one of your favorites, so there's some favorites in there, and so we'll share a story next week about one of them that many of you will have heard before, but Minor Prophets, Major Mission, we're going to look at that and see what the mission of these prophets was, and then how that impacts us as we move forward on the mission that Christ has given to us. And we're going to have donuts for that again, so donuts next Sunday too. And so it was a real shock and surprise to see donuts this morning, and I was like, they must think it's a new series, but it's not, but that's okay. If you're newer to OCC, then I've been taking a rest from preaching June and July, and I've spent some of that time really just looking at our organization, looking at the way we were organized, our structure, and praying through the vision of the future of our church. And also I've used some of that time to get refreshed, spend some much-needed time to just recharge with my family. My father moved into retirement this uh, summer, and so there was a big family trip that we got to enjoy in Colorado, and it was just a really uh, enjoyable time to focus on some different things. And I, I really want to uh, just communicate how much uh, I appreciate uh, being the pastor of this church. It has been a real joy, and I appreciate uh, the way that our church family has been so steady uh, and, and strong through the summer months. Summer is a time where churches typically just Everything kind of can plummet, but across the board in all areas, our church attendance, recreation types of connecting groups, giving, serving, just involvement, just stayed very steady through this summer. And, and it really is because of your commitment and your, your involvement. This is, uh, this is just, sometimes churches can build around a person or a personality. And if that person or personality is not there... Um, then, then things kind of get squirrely. But that, that has never been our desire. We've never been about the one guy on a stage kind of thing. That's just never been our heart. We've always been about, from the start, training up leaders who can lead and multiply life-changing churches. And so we've been training people uh, pretty much from the start who could carry ministry forward and move things forward and multiply things. And so uh, it's just been a real joy to see hey, this is why we've been doing so much training and to see the way that that has blessed the congregation in, in that way. I think it's encouraging also to many of you to hear from different people. I've, I've heard good reports about Bruce's messages and then the, the teachability series that we did. And just hearing things from different people challenges us in a very unique way. And so I, I appreciate all of the men that, that shared and just your support of them. I just, as your pastor, I want to commend you. I'm very, very grateful through your commitment and... Uh, your steadiness. Uh, at the beginning of 2017, we as a church began a focus on, uh, we were heading towards, you know, in, in the beginning of the year, 2017, we, we were beginning our ninth year of ministry, kind of heading towards our 10-year anniversary. Our 10-year anniversary is February 2018. 
And that's going to be, don't, you don't want to miss that. I don't know what we're doing yet, but whatever it is, you're not going to want to miss it. Because we have some special meetings of planning and, and just to get ready for that and to celebrate what God has been doing. But throughout this year, as I'm looking towards, wow, we're almost 10 years old as a church, the strong sense that I have had has been we need to strengthen the core of our church. And we talked about this theme of strengthen the core, strengthen the core. We talked about it in, in our staff meetings, our leadership meetings. We talked about it at our men's summit. We talked about it at our annual business meeting. We talked about it in small groups and in other key settings. And then this whole phrase, strengthen the core, it, it's, it's not often used for churches. It's most often used, what, for the body, right? Working out, strengthen your core. Get in there and strengthen your core, guys. Today we're going to focus on the core. We're going to have a core workout What's the core? You know, like, here, here's your, here's a body, okay? Here's a physical body. You know, the image of the physical body is typically where we hear this from. There's a lot, and we know this, there's a lot of muscles. There, there are a lot of muscles, and there's a lot going on inside of our bodies. And the older I get, the more I feel pain from these different muscles in my body. And when someone is referring, though, to the core muscles, here's what they're referring to. These these muscles from the shoulder down to the hips, and I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, and so I grabbed, you know, I, I think a reliable source of, of a photo, of an appropriate photo. That was the challenging thing, you know. Sometimes you're trying to find a diagram like this, and you've got to be really specific on the region you're going to put up on the PowerPoint screen. And so this is an appropriate photo of the core muscles, and the muscles from the shoulder down to the hips... You know what? Sometimes you can actually see these muscles in, you know, on people. <laughs> you know, abdominal muscles or different kinds of muscles like that. You know, I, I've seen them in my body as well. Um, last year, I injured myself. I had to go to the doctor. And so they used a medical device. And I could tell I have core muscles. Because they scanned these muscles and then, and they're in there. I mean, I know they're in there. Whether you see them or not, they're in your body. And with our physical bodies, a strong core, when it comes to a physical body, is what you need to prevent injury. That's what everyone says. You want to strengthen your core. If you're going to do those things, you need to keep strengthening your core. And that allows for other muscle groups to be properly developed. Many of the core muscles are, are internal, and you just don't necessarily see them, but they're critical for growth. So it is with the church body, okay? This metaphor of the body is applied to the church in the Bible. The church is often called the body of Christ. There are many of us working together to make up this body. So here's another picture of the body of Christ. We make up a body. There's this spiritual entity where God has organized us. There's this uh, movement that's going on through this body. Many of us are working together to make things happen in line with God's mission, with what is laid out for us in the Bible. We have several hundred adults and children who make up this body. Last count that I saw, we had 189 people serving regularly on our ministry teams. Most of those happen Sunday mornings in different capacities in this church. And we, you know, we arrive here and we see the externals. You get here on a Sunday or you show up to an event and you get to experience the externals. You get to experience the byproduct, we all do, of all of this inter- inner working that's been going on. The, for those guys that 
you know, pull a trailer out and then the guys that meet to set the, you know, to, to unload the trailer and then the people that come to build this, uh, you know, this worship space and the people that are setting up the classes, the, the men and women who are preparing to teach in our kids' zone ministry, the ones who are preparing to, to care for those in the nursery, there's, there's all this inner working going on and we get to experience a lot of the externals of it and the byproducts of all the inner working of the body of Christ. It's pretty exciting to, to see and to be part of it, isn't it? And you play a part in that. You, you are, you're, you're one of these gears, you're one of these people that God is using inside of His body. Now this imagery is something that Paul loved to talk about. So Paul, early first century church starter, one of the key leaders, he references this idea of the body of Christ many times in his letters to the churches. This is one of his, is probably his favorite metaphor for describing the church. Jesus had a different metaphor that he tended to prefer, the flock, the shepherd, the caring for the flock. Paul really enjoyed talking about the body of Christ. And key passages laid out. Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12. These are passages that lay out this is the way the body's organized, the gifts that we have in the body. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. Here he writes this. Now you, speaking of the church in Corinth, you are the body of Christ, and individually you're members of it. Now this is, this is true of us. You're the body. If you're a Christ follower, you're part of His body. You're part of His body. You play a role. Christ is at the head of the body. He is the head. And we play individual roles to carry out his mission. We, we have different gifts. We have different abilities, different talents. We cooperate together. We strive to stay unified as one body. If we're not unified, we, we can't function. Imagine a body that's, you know, has disunity. You don't get anything accomplished. And so to, to move in a direction, you have to be unified. But it's really that you're unified and you are moving as a body in the direction that pleases the head. It's, it's we're moving in the direction that pleases Jesus. He's the head of this body, and so He leads us. He gives us, his, He's given us his, his Word so that we know how to organize ourselves, what to focus on, what to live for, what to prioritize in our life. And so, but we as a body, we work together in a way, and we're moving in a direction that pleases Him. And so early... Earlier on in this year, we talked about our need to strengthen the core as a church. And we looked at the early church in the New Testament book of Acts, and we, the early church saw some things. They saw addition. And you see these listed out, and, and the, the point here is that in the early church, in the book of Acts, God kept adding to the church new people. He just, the number of people that were following Christ expanded. It just God was adding to their number, the scripture says, daily of those who were being saved. More and more people were added. Multitudes of people were added. And it's not just that the, the number increased, but that people were changing. So the depth of character, there, there was an addition in people's character. And addition, you know, numerical addition is, the only, is not the only way to measure if God is adding something. There's obviously other metrics. There's other factors internally to determine, wow, God's really adding. There's a, there's a growth in character there in that church or in this person. And so the early church, they certainly saw people experiencing life change, but then also the movement was expanding and pushing out. More and more people were being added to the church, to the body. Also, they saw subtraction. Sin was being dealt with. This is a this was a big issue. This has been a major issue as we've talked about this throughout the years. That we want to be a group of people who, when God puts his finger on something in our lives that he wants us to address, that we would be people who respond to him. 
that we would obey Him, that we would repent of things, that if we've gotten off course and the Lord says, you're off track, then that we would be a people who subtract those things, that we repent of those things, we repent of sin, we abandon sin. When we realize our life is out of line for what He has said, that we wouldn't just pretend, but that we would reject it, we'd abandon it. And whatever in the early church, whatever was hindering the growth of the church and the expansion of the church would, was being confronted. It was being addressed. It was being even removed at points in order to keep the movement healthy so that it could keep expanding and moving in a direction that pleases Christ. And so subtraction needed to happen. And then, at a key point, the church began to do multiplication. The movement that really stayed you know, in, in one region eventually began to push outward and head west into more of the influential cities of, of their world in that day. And so things started moving and advancing into the Roman Empire and impacting influential cities and influential people. And this small movement just began to multiply and expand. And so from the beginning of Acts to about Acts chapter 12, you see most of the issues are centralized in you know, the Holy Land region. But then all of a sudden, things begin to really push out. Acts 13, there's teams of pioneers that are willing to... That, that the church in Antioch, this key sending church, begins to send to launch a church planting effort so that this movement would reach to the ends of the earth. And that's what Jesus said. This is going to reach out and, and impact not just this region, but it's going to go to the outer regions. Eventually it's going to impact to the ends of the earth. And so multiplication was happening there in the book of Acts. And the reason is because multiplication is a natural byproduct of something um, of, a, of a healthy church. It, it, it multiplies. The church is a spiritual organism that multiplies when it is able to do that. It's a body that can multiply when it's able. And in the case of the early church, they would multiply and ministry exponentially just expanded. Also, there was division. There were certain people spreading problems in the church. There were people causing threats to unity in the church. And so, and oftentimes behind that was the enemy. Satan himself was working through his own forces to cause people to be tempted to spread division, to, to cause jealousy and envy and, and hatred and discord. And, and he, was, he was sowing discord through people in this early church. And so when that happened... Those who were causing division were confronted for the sake, again, of the unity of the church. They were confronted. Leaders and members in the early church were willing to have tough conversations because the movement needs to keep growing. Because this is the mission that we're on. Jesus gave us a mission. This is... Anything that's a threat to that, we need to deal with that. We can't just ignore the problems and try to, you know, advance towards the mission. It, it, it won't allow us to do that. And so the early church, they kept dealing with things. Now, we're almost 10 years old. And I sensed near the end of last year, and still at this point, that we need to give the time to strengthening the core of our church. We need to figure out, who is that? Who is the core of our church? Who would say, this is my church home, and we would want to help people make deeper commitments to the church family. We want to do that before we just keep putting more and more energy and resources towards outreach and towards events that might attract more and more guests. We care about reaching more people, but, uh, but I, I had this strong sense that we needed to focus on the core. And typically, as a church, you want to grow deep 
and wide at the same time. It's not something that you, you say, okay, we're going to go deep for a while and then wide for a while and deep for a while. That's kind of exhausting for a congregation to do that. Like, okay, I think this is what we're about. No, no, now this is what we're about. And so we've been moving in a direction, then all of a sudden we put the brakes on some things and it, was, it probably felt like, we're going to vote. What do you mean we're not going to do these outreaches and these things that we typically do and we're not going to do it the way we've been doing it? Well, the issue is, I think God has, sent, has asked us to, to, to stop and look at the inside. Look at what's going on, the health of what's inside. And so for us, what that's meant is we need to take some more time in prayer, more gatherings. So that's why we had a, a men's summit. That's why we're having a women's retreat for our church family to deepen connections and relationships. More frequent men's and women's gatherings, different types. There's organic things happening to help support people gathering. Um, and then also more time for caring for our members. There are just, there's issues and challenges and problems that, that I'm aware of and our leadership is aware of that we can't just ignore exist. We, we need to take the time to work through the hard things if God is going to bless this, this church. Without a strong core, we would struggle to support much more growth. And the interesting thing, as we've taken this year to focus on the core, we've experienced... Our largest growth year on all categories so far, which is really unusual, but not really unusual, because of the way God works. <laughs> when we obey Him, and we ask people to obey Him, God, God blesses. God is at work. And so, we can read books about how to grow a church, we can go to conferences, we, you know, our leaders can get all you know, hyped up at a conference about how we're going to do these things, and then we could put all of our efforts into it, and it could just fall flat and just be a dud. But if, if we get serious about obeying God, without the hype, and we just, we're going to walk with God, we're going to walk with Jesus, God, God can bless, and He can keep adding. Without a strong core, we would really struggle to keep growing. And, and my concern has been, how are we going to keep, if we keep adding people, Lord, how, how are we going to do that? How are we going to care for a large, larger group than we already have? I already feel so stretched. I already feel like I don't have enough time. I already feel like there's, there's balls being dropped. I already feel like there's bottlenecks. It. And so, we're going to look at Acts chapter 5. Let's look at this together. Acts 5, verses 12 through 16. And then we're going to read through this whole chapter from 12 on. At this point, this is very early on in the church. Very early on in the church. But they have already begun experiencing some addition and some subtraction. And so, this passage that we're going to look at, verse 12, is preceded by a subtraction story. Okay? Where a husband and a wife fell dead after trying to look impressive. And the story is that there was this contagious spirit of generosity in the church. People were just saying, oh, there's a need over there. Here, I want to meet the need. I want to cover that. I want to pay for that. Oh, these people need this over here. I got this land over here. I'm going to sell the land. I'm giving it all so that the needs of the church will be met. And so this contagious spirit of generosity is just... It's a culture that's building in the church. And this one couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they see the attention that certain people who are being so generous are getting, and they decide, hey, we've got this plot of land, let's sell the land. So they sell the land, they say, look, we're going to tell the apostles that this is how much it sold for, and we're giving it all to, to the kingdom. But in fact, they're giving only a portion. They had lied. They'd kept some of it for themselves, and they'd been deceptive about it. And so, they bring the money, the apostles... You know, call the husband to account and they say, is this, you know, is this the full amount that you sold that land for? It wasn't that they needed to give it all. It was just that he was being deceptive. They were being deceptive about what this looked like. And so when they were called to account, 
the Holy Spirit revealed the truth to the church leaders and the husband dropped dead at that point. The wife comes in. They had just carried out her dead husband. And they, where's my husband? Oh, is this the amount you sold the land for? And she lied as well. She dropped dead. This story, and what, what happened there is, these, this couple came under serious judgment from the Lord because of their deception. And this story, beginning of Acts chapter 5, you read it there in the beginning of Acts 5, it seems pretty extreme. It seems really extreme. Why? Well, God, that was... <laughs> uh, is that what's going to happen to me on some things? I've lied. The issue here is that as the church is building... Those people that are pioneering work is very, very critical. It's very critical about the attention that are being given to, to individuals and the stories that are passed on. And so if people are playing games and pretending, then God would not have blessed the growth of that. And so he makes an example and he, he brings the deception to light. He makes an example out of this couple and it creates a seriousness within the church. Can you imagine watching this happen? You'd be like... <coughs> Don't let him look at don't, don't let him look at us. Don't look at him. <laughs> Imagine the seriousness of what if the Holy Spirit? Oh, the Holy Spirit knows these things about me too. Uh, so there's this seriousness that's that's amongst the church. Now pick it up, verse twelve. Okay, verse twelve says, "Now many signs and wonders were regularly done by the among the people." by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Now, this was one of the early church's regular meeting places in the temple. They're meeting in the temple regularly. This is very bold. Jesus had just been crucified, you know, recently at the hands of the Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities and the Christians who follow Jesus, their crucified Lord, are meeting in the temple the Jewish temple in Solomon's portico. That's a very bold place to to have your ministry headquarters after what just happened with Jesus. They're all together in Solomon's portico. Verse 13 says, None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And so the the outsiders, those are what people are watching. They're curious. These, These people have something. They're preaching something that's appealing. They're doing things that is changing people's lives. I want to learn more. So people are close and they're listening, but they're, but they're, there's a lot of people that wouldn't dare join them because they see there's a serious thing going on. This God is very powerful. He's doing some things that, uh, this is gonna rattle things in my life. And so there's people that are close but not all in, and then, and then there's some, it says the people held them in high esteem. This, there's just this sense that this is a very generous, loving group that's very attractive to outsiders. People are looking in, and they're, they're close. Now look at verse 14. It says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So there's this growth. And then verse 15, So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of, some of them. Now again, outsiders are, they're flocking, they're, they're curious, and some are, some people come looking for help. They bring sick people. God, maybe, maybe the, the apostles will heal them just like Jesus was healing people. And there's healings going on and, and, and things are happening, and some people were pretty superstitious about it, as you can see here. Maybe we just need to get close enough to where the shadows of these men will impact our lives. And so, let's get near the shadows. You know, and there's a superstition going on. It doesn't say that 
there was healings happening from the shadows. It just says that people wanted to see if, you know, there's this, you could see their worldview, their perspective. What, what is this? There's a power here that we want to get close to. There's all this evaluating going on. Verse 16 says this, The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. So now nearby towns again are flocking to the apostles to hear their message. Bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. My, there's a war taking place on a supernatural level that the apostles are helping people find freedom. And, and ministry is really flowing at this point. The word was getting out. God was at work through this highly committed group of Christ followers. And you see this phrase. Look at verse 14 if you back up. Verse 14 it says, And believers were added. Okay, Believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes. On the surface, we just understand that this means that the church was growing in number. And it really was. It was rapidly growing in number. But with this addition, the ministry was expanding. It was expanding. There were more relationships. There was more training going on. There was more people. Be, there were more people being discipled. It wasn't just about decisions, but it was about make disciples. Well, that's very different than just making a decision. It's, it's I'm going to yield my life to Jesus and learn to obey what He's commanded. There's disciples are being made. God's adding disciples. There's more people are being mentored. People who might lead in the future and who might bear more responsibility are being trained and. There's all of this stuff going on. God is adding. This multitude is growing. And the expansion is so rapid that as you walk through the book of Acts, uh, you know, you'd think, wow, they must be doing everything. But the reality is it's not until Acts 13 that they're able to multiply. The first 12 chapters, they're not really able to multiply. They're just adding. They can't start by sending out pioneering church planting teams yet until Acts chapter 12. Because they just had to start at the basics and let God expand the ministry over time until that could happen. And they really, you know, didn't see that multiplication until Acts 13, but then it just, it explodes. You read through Acts 13 and on, and you see the explosion, the expansion of the church in the first, you know, in its first few decades. And it's because early on, in the early chapters of Acts, they needed to have a strong, healthy core to multiply from. You, you can't start with something unhealthy and hope, well, if we multiply, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll, it'll help. I mean, multiplication doesn't work in that way. You need something that's strong and vibrant and growing. If they're, and so if they were going to reproduce, they needed something able to support the growth of the future. And this is a statement in your listening guide. As the ministry expands, it, it will extend. And you see that from Acts 13. You see expansion going on, but eventually by Acts 13 you see this extension. And we've seen this dynamic in the life of our church. We've been doing so much more in our last five years as far as extending the ministry than we did in our first five and that we could even do in our first five. In our first five, there was just we were pretty limited in what we could do. We were just trying to get our bearings, trying to figure out you know, how are we going to do this? How, what is this going to take? How do we get organized? So the first five, it looked, it looked kind of simple and... and uh, there was just lots of limitations. And in the last five, it's been amazing to see the, the way we've been able to expand and extend what we're doing. And I remember countless conversations from the first five years. A lot of them were critical conversations to me or to uh, others on our high-level leadership that OCC is not doing enough in this area or that area. Here's this problem in the world. OCC is not doing enough. And I'm like, we're just three years in. Like, How are we going to do all that right now? Well, you, you guys must not have a heart for the nations. You must not have a heart for the community of Riverside and the needs. The, you're just not doing enough. And so we had to sit in conversations and just say, well, thanks for the input. 
Well, I'll take that to the Lord. We'll pray through that. And our sense was, we're going to stay focused on the basics and building something that could last for generations. Truth is, in the early you know, years, we had a heart for our community. It's why we moved here. It's why we planted the church. We had a heart for, for the nations. That's why we would pray for missionaries. It's why we would give to missions. But it didn't look... You know, the way that everyone would want it to look. You've been like in the early church, if a businessman came up to Peter and said, Hey, Peter, buddy, noticing this movement, I'm not in, I'm not going to be in, but I want to give you some input here. Uh, my fishing business, it's just grown by leaps and bounds. I think I can give you some input, so let me tell you, you need, some, you need to raise up more leaders quickly, you need to just take anybody, you need to do whatever it takes, you know, just... Use these strategies, these tactics, you know, grow, 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 grow. We can grow this thing. We can, you know, give me a cut and I'll give you, you know, give you some more advice. It, you know, it, it, it can feel at points as if we must not have cared about these things in the earlier years, but the, real, the reality is, it just, we weren't able to do that and we did care. We weren't able to extend ourselves too far. Now, we look at, like, this, this year, it's kind of mind-boggling to me. We sent 49 people this year on short-term trips all around. So, I mean, just a real quick summary of them. We, went, we sent 13 to Taiwan to work with some of our members who are missionaries in Taiwan. We sent 5 to Chico to be participating in a building project. We sent 11 that are currently our students that are currently... In Chico, they're probably about to drive home. They're at church right now, but they're going to drive home. They've been helping uh, Chico Community Church, a network church. We have two more going to Chico to help the launch of a camp, or the year of uh, campus ministry that's, that's going to be launching a new year of ministry. We've got five from our church that are members that are uh, part of the Navigators Ministry, and they're, they're spending time in New Zealand helping with the Navigators Ministry in New Zealand. And then there's 13 that we know of international student projects, many of those we were able to financially support and pray for students from CBU who who've went and used their summer to serve. And the reality, 49 people extending our reach. And as the ministry expands, the byproduct, byproduct is it begins to extend. As the ministry expands, it extends. And we've been able to extend our reach far beyond this area now. And it's very encouraging. God keeps extending our reach more and more. One of the concerns, though, that I have had is, again, how are we going to effectively care for a growing group? A group of this size, let alone. But what if we grow another hundred or few hundred? How are we going to do that? And, and honestly, it, it, it's, it's difficult for me to rest at night knowing some of the challenges within our body that I recognize this is not healthy. This needs to be still dealt with. And, and, and so it keeps me up knowing... Are we doing enough for these people? Are we, have we done enough? Have we, how can we care? And so, as I've been evaluating, I've really been looking at our structure, our staff, and, and since we meet in rented facilities, this is owned by the city of Riverside, our overhead has been really low. So the costs to operate allow us, because this is cheaper, you know, it's, it's, up to this point it has made more sense to, to, to just keep doing the rent it keeps our overhead so low, and so that frees up a lot of resources to be able to staff. And so we keep having resources to hire more staff. Why? Well, so we can do a better job of, of caring for and equipping the people that God keeps bringing. The staff and the leaders, they are equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4 says. 
And recently, I just sensed, man, there's these holes, there's these challenges in our organization, there are these issues that are bottlenecked with some people in our uh, leadership structure because they're just stretched too thin. And so it just seemed like God is higher. It's, God was saying it's time to hire more staff to support the growth. And so we've we've done that. And so I want to make a couple announcements. One is we hired uh, Tatiana Fontes. She isn't here this morning. Otherwise, I'd bring her up here to do a wave or something. But she is uh, our financial administrator now. She's been helping us with our accounting, our budget planning, our overall reporting of the finances. She is... Uh, visiting her family up in Fresno this weekend, but we hired her on staff uh, recently. Also, we've added two more full-time hires, and so I've asked them to join me up on the stage, so come on up, uh, Holly and uh, Scott. And this is, this, is, uh, this is Holly Garrig, and in June we hired Holly Garrig um, to be our full-time staff uh, assistant. She's like our, our assistant to our pastoral staff. And there were just things that were bottlenecked. You know, we, we, we had more projects and plans than we could really accomplish, and we needed the assistance. And so she's been a part of our Antioch training, uh, ministry training project, and so she is just about to finish that, and I brought the opportunity to her, and she accepted it, and so she's been on staff full-time since June, and the Lord has provided for us to do that. And then Scott is joining our staff our pastoral staff, to be our associate pastor over groups and care. And that starts August the 16th. And so he's wrapping up his uh, current role at his job, and he's going to be joining our staff. And he's going to help us organize and and train a large group of, of lay counselors and just make sure that the, the group leaders and our group structure has the support and that whole system has the support and training and care that it really needs. Because much of the care that is required in a church... Um, we want that to happen um, as the people do ministry, but it also it requires that leaders are helping develop people who can care for others. And so Scott, Holly, and just our staff, we're working on this. We now have 10 paid staff at OCC. Here's a picture of our current staff at OCC. There's six full-time staff members and four part-time staff members that, that you all support um, at OCC. It's neat because I, I sense there are these holes, these needs, and these challenges, and then guess what? God just matched it up. He matched it up once again. We've seen that happen. It's, it's a joy. He provided what we needed to keep making progress. I want to ask you to take a moment with me. I want to pray for Holly and for Scott. And would you just pray with me for them? And what is, this is a new role. It's a new adventure. There's going to be new challenges. So let's, would you, whoa, I'm going to fall off the stage. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the work you're doing. And and thank you for Scott. Thank you for Holly and the plans you have for them, Lord. Thank you for providing the resources and and even just uh, making it very clear we needed to take this step to expand our staff and and grow it in order to um, be most effective, God, in the mission you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the work you intend to do through them and for the ways that they already have helped and been, been so faithful here in the body. Both of them have been really raised up here, and, and thank you for, for how you've gifted each one of them. I pray for your protection now upon them. Protect them, God, from the, the attacks of the enemy. Protect them from uh, just the opposition that they will encounter in, in this spiritual endeavor. This is a new adventure, and I just pray you'd, you'd watch over, guard them, um, we thank you for the, the ways you want to use them, God. Help us to come alongside them, cheer them on in their roles, and may you, may you use them to help us as a congregation to be 
more effective and to advance. Lord, we ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I wanted you to know this announcement, and you heard it first here, so you guys can go ahead and be seated. And feel free to visit with them. Or Holly's been on staff for you know two months now, and Scott's getting started, so feel free to chat with them about any of that. But look at how this passage continues. Look at, look at from verse 17 on. I want to read the rest of this chapter. Very, very powerful chapter of scripture. It says this. So, remember, multitudes are coming. People are bringing their sick. People are being healed and freed from things that they're in bondage to. And then verse 17, it says, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They're jealous of the, the attention of the apostles, the growth of this movement. They're, they're, they're losing their grip on things that they were in control of previously. Kind of the religious landscape is changing, and they're filled with jealousy. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles. They put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak, and they began to teach. You know, next day, you know, they, they head right back out to the temple. Again, they're being bold. They're going to the temple, and they're doing more ministry. It says, Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent them to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned, and they reported. We found the prison securely locked, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Verse 25, And when someone came and, and told them, Look, and they point, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain with the officers went and they brought them, but not by force. Get this. For they were afraid of being stoned by the people. They, this movement was winning the crowd over. It was winning, winning people over. And so the, the religious leaders realized, we need to be careful with this, so we're going to capture them again, but we're going to do it in a, in a nonviolent way. We're going to just... And so, verse 27, And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. We're talking about Jesus. You're trying to, to pin this on us. You're, you're, you know, you're trying to put his blood on our hands. And Peter, in verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. He, he's, he's the boss. We must obey God rather than men. This is our mission. This is what he's told us to do. We're going to obey God, not men. Verse 30, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. He says, and we're witnesses to these things. We, we saw him die. We saw him rise. He's alive. You know, he arose. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Verse 33, when they heard this, these leaders, these religious leaders, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up. He gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400 of them, 
joined him. He was killed and all who followed him were dispersed. This is a previous revolutionary movement, but it died out. He's just reminding him. Remember, it died out. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So in, these, in this present case, I tell you, Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And so they took his advice. Nothing at all can stop what God is expanding. I mean, that's the point that we see here. Nothing can stop this movement. Even this religious leader knows. Nothing can stop what God is expanding. And if this is from God, we can't block it, he says. And they didn't, and they couldn't block it. Now, this, sadly, is not the case for the church across America. Like, man, this, we can't stop this Christian movement. It's just it's out of control. That's, that's just not the case for the church in America. But in some parts of our world, that's the case. If you're aware of what's happening in different parts of our, of our world, in different countries, conscience, the church is alive and on fire in some parts of our world. And it's expanding so rapidly that nothing can stop it. Nothing. God is, is on the move. He's at work. And my hope and my prayer is that in my lifetime, we would be part of a growing movement of churches that God uses to turn this world upside down. I want to be part of that. Many of you, you just you want to be part of it. You want to see God's church as a healthy church moving forward and advancing his kingdom here on earth. Back to the apostles, verse 40 says this, And when they called in the apostles, after this you know, conversation, Gamaliel says, let's just, let it, let's just let it lie and see what happens. Verse 40, They called the apostles back in. They beat them. They beat them. And they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. But then they let them go. And look at verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Pause for a second. This reminds me of a story. A long time ago, I was with some friends who went to the movie theater. And, you know, you can't bring food into the movie theater, right? And so, uh, we're entering, and he's got some food with him. And, and the guy says, hey, you, you, can't, you can't bring that in here. He's like, okay, thanks. He just walks on by. And the... The, this is one of my friends, and this is, and and uh, the the guard, not the guard, but the ticket man was so caught off guard. He did, it was almost like he did a Jedi mind check. He's like, "Hey, you can't bring that." He's like, oh, "Okay, thanks." With a smile on his face, and and we kept walking. I'm kind of puzzled, and and I'm looking at the guy, and he's puzzled, and that was that. <laughs> and I thought, "Huh." <laughs> That's what this reminds me of a little bit. Hey, stop it. Stop spreading this news. Stop. You're not, you can't, you're breaking all the laws. You're, you're stirring things up. Stop it. They beat them and the apostles. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. <laughs> Hey, we're just going to do this. We're doing this. This is our mission. When you walk with Jesus, life is anything but boring. It's anything but boring. If you walk with you, many of you know this. You've experienced life on the edge. And if you're looking for a life that is stuck in a rut, 
just having the same old patterns, then don't walk with Jesus every day. Don't try to do that. Because He will shake up your life. He will shake up your life. And from, for them, walking with Jesus brought serious consequences. Verse 40 says, they beat them. It doesn't mean like... I mean, they physically beat them. They were either given a beating with their fists or they flogged them with whips. Some versions say flogging, some say beating. But, you know, they, they beat them. This was a serious consequence and a serious warning. Stop. Or else. This is pretty unlikely here and now for us. And it, this kind of a physical beating. It's pretty unlikely this day and age here and now in the States. But in some parts of the world, this is a present day reality for fallen Christ. And people say, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing this. But for most of us, there's just no point of reference in our day to being beaten for our faith like that. But there are consequences still. The consequences are rejection from family, rejection from friends, loss of promotion, loss of job opportunities. Sometimes you're just mistreated. You're you know, misunderstood for the apostles, though it was worth it. In spite of their bloody beating, it reads... They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They were, they were counted worthy. They're probably thinking them to themselves, at least our genuine walk with Jesus is being noticed. It's being noticed. They had seen their master Jesus suffer and die after living a sinless life, enduring accusations and insults, beatings that alone could have killed him, and then willingly being led to his own murder. He did that for them. He did that for us for the forgiveness of our sins. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. And in doing that, he defeated sin, death, the grave. He's our hope. And their risen Savior commissioned them to be His witnesses on the earth. This is what He told them. And we'll wrap up with this. Acts 1, 8 and 9. He said to them, just before He ascended, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be My witnesses telling people about Me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was their mission. This is our mission. All of their sacrifice was worth it. And God will not waste your sacrifices either. Whatever cost you are paying for Christ will be worthwhile. It's worth it. He won't waste it. He won't waste any of your suffering. You know, the joy is Peter and John, they were, they were not asking, what can I get? They were asking constantly, what can I give? What can I give? What can I give? How can I sacrifice? How can I lay my life down? Not what's in it for me. And, and I, what I'm encouraged by is there are so many in our congregation that keep asking, how can I sacrifice? How can I serve to advance Christ's mission? Not what's in it for me. There's, just, there's so many of you that are just living sacrificial life, very mission-focused lives. What if we had more people asking those questions? What, what can I sacrifice? Can you imagine the impact that we could have on our city if we were all asking these types of questions, seeing that it's worth the costs? I'm so encouraged to see God at work here among us. I want to invite our worship team to join me up on the stage and invite you to think through what is it God is saying to you this morning and, and how can you apply His Word to your life? What's that one thing that He wants you to do in response today? There's some next steps here at the bottom of your listening guide. I want you to check these out. The first one is... Would you consider adding a weekly reminder to pray for 
OCC, our church, to have a healthy core. Would you join with me in praying that God would give us a healthy core? Make this a weekly part of your, your prayer life. Put a reminder in your phone, just a recurring reminder. Oh, time to pray that OCC has a strong core. That we take God seriously. Second, would you pray this week? Just pray sometime this week for our staff. We could use your prayers as we, as we lead out, as we plan for the fall. And then there's just a line in there for you. Maybe you're thinking through this area of sacrifice or is it worth it? Maybe there's something God has said to you already very clearly. And so I want to encourage you to respond to Him. And let's pray together. Father, thank You for this time and this group of people, this, this local body of Christ. Thank You for the work You're doing in us and through us and for the hope that we have and find in You. Would You keep fueling us, Lord, as we follow you. Would, you. would you feel a mission here? Give us the energy and the strength and the focus to stay on mission with you and to, and to do life in line with your truth, your eternal word. We need your help. We ask for your spirit to keep leading us and as individuals convicting us of sin, of things you want us to change. Challenge us, God, to the growth that you have for us, Lord. Call us forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.